Today, Pastor Javen brings a new series called In Jesus' Name. As we begin this morning, consider this question. What's the posture of your heart when you pray? Take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. And I'm excited about uh, jumping into this new series for this year. I think this is a, a great thing to, to focus our mind on and focus our heart on as we start a new year. As I said in the video last week, a new year is always that time where you kind of refocus your mind. It's like opening a new book, turning to a new chapter in, in, a, in a moment in your life, kind of resetting yourself. So I think it's a great thing to talk about this topic and this aspect of prayer as we begin the new year. Um, when my mom tells a story of me when I was little, I don't remember doing this. I don't remember this happening. I was young. I don't remember. But she tells a story that one day when she was praying, she was knelt down by her bread and, and praying. And I have these vivid memories of my mom uh, always just kneeling beside her bed in prayer. You know, it's a, a beautiful picture to still have in my, in my head. It's not the only way she prayed, but it was, it was a way I just remember her often praying by her bed. But she tells this story that I came running into the room one day when she was kneeling by her bed praying, and I knelt down beside her and I said, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then I jumped up and took off running, she said. And she said that she, she said real quick, she said, God, you better speak fast because he gone. You know, I mean, it's... <laughs> you know, prayer is, is one of those things, especially as a believer, we kind of, we kind of, we know that it's supposed to be a part of our, our walk. It's supposed to be a part of our faith. We, we will, con- we'll tell people, you know, I'm praying for you, you know, and, and that's kind of this statement of comfort for others. When we get told that someone's praying for us, it makes us feel comfortable, makes us feel good that we know that somebody's out there praying for us. And we understand this aspect of prayer, but sometimes we still have questions like, I'm wondering, is anything happening with my prayers? Am I doing prayer right? Do I really understand prayer uh, at all? Do, do, what, what do I think about prayer? You know, this week we sent out this, uh, this survey and we asked these questions. Uh, a guy by the name of D.A. Carson, he said, if you really want to embarrass the average Christian, just ask them to tell you about their private prayer life, right? Now, we didn't, our intentions was not to embarrass, okay? That's why we did it anonymous. But I'm thankful there's many of you that participated in this survey. And and I was even told that the survey, you know, we should have done better with our survey and made it multiple choice because I do more than those one things. Well, you're just awesome. Uh, So, but but we just, we wanted you just to choose your one. Choose the one that best best stands out for you. But um, but we we asked this question, just two quick questions. We said, you know, one of those is how do you pray? What's kind of specific for you? You? Do you pray specific time of day? Do you pray randomly throughout the day? Here was one of those, that 63% of you who answered this, again, a lot of you did this, said that you pray randomly throughout the day. That's kind of your prayer process. That's the main process of your prayer life. It's just throughout the day, I just randomly pray. 28% of you said that I have a regular specific time that I set aside, that I spend time in prayer uh, with God. Then there's 9% that said occasionally, really my prayer life is occasional and it's mainly when there's a need, that's when I'll start praying. So I put this up there. I want us to know, listen, you're not alone, right? There's, there's a lot of us that if we're honest, we have these moments where sometimes I fall into this pattern where I've kind of walked away from a consistent prayer and I'm finding myself just praying when something pops up into my head, a need. And so, so I want us to kind of look at that. And then, then I ask this question, uh, you know, where do you feel connected to God when you pray or do you feel awkward? And here's how that answer came to 79% of you feel connected to God. And that's awesome. But then there were 21% that said, I do feel a little awkward when I'm praying. And I wonder how many of the 79% didn't answer. I feel awkward because they felt bad saying they felt awkward. So I'm like, well, I feel connected. 
Now, now there's no judgment there, but, but sometimes it can be awkward because you're putting out these prayers and it's like you're, am I talking to myself? You have this feeling sometimes. You know, we wonder, you know, we have this question and struggle with prayer because, you know, sometimes we're wondering, you know, I don't, how do I pray? I don't know if I'm praying the right way. You know, am I supposed to pray for a certain amount of time? How long do I pray? How often do I pray? Is there something specific? Is there a certain pattern I should be following in my prayers? Is, are there certain things I should ask for? Are there certain things I shouldn't ask for when I pray? You know, is there things that, that, that shouldn't? Some of us are saying if God is, if God's omnipotent, if he's all powerful, if he's sovereign, if everything is in his hands, what's the purpose of me praying? Why do I pray? Some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I've prayed before, but I didn't get the answer the way I, I wanted that answer to come out. So I don't know if there's a point in praying. Should I, I mean, what's the point in me praying? Some of us really, if we're honest, the struggle in our prayers come from just a self-discipline issue. It's the same reason we don't exercise like we should and refrain from cake, Right. <laughs> It's that self-discipline aspect of putting prayer in our life as much as we should. When you look throughout scripture, all throughout the word of God, you see people who pray and you see the importance of prayer all throughout scripture. And Luke, in his gospel, he references points throughout his gospel of Jesus, the son of God, God in flesh, praying. I mean, there's countless chapters throughout Luke's gospel where we see that Jesus prayed. And I think Luke chapter five, verse 16 is really the summation of of this taking place. We could look at chapter after chapter and verse after verse of Jesus praying. I think Luke sums it up in Luke 5, 16, when he says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness. Why? For prayer. And that word wilderness, basically what, that's what Luke is saying is he, he withdrew away to these secluded places, to these private places where he went away to get away from the distraction of everything else that was going on around him. And he took, set, set aside that time so that he could pray. And then John in his gospel, he kind of tells us why Jesus did this. We, we've kind of, we looked at these verses in previous series here in just the last, re, in the last few months. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's telling them. In John 5, 19, we see him say that I don't do anything without the Father. Everything I do is, is through the Father. I do what the Father tells me to do. See, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then he reiterates this to his disciples in John chapter 14. He tells them that, don't you believe I'm the father and the father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, Jesus says. But what does he say? He says, but it's my father who lives in me, does the work through me. So Jesus, he kept this connection with the father through prayer. And he said, the reason I pray is because I can't do anything without him. That's the whole reason I pray. And then when we keep reading in the gospel of John and we go into John John 15, we see where Jesus begins to speak to his disciples and he uses this phrase to them and he tells them, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he tells them, you need to abide in me. 
So in other words, the same thing that I've been doing with my father, you need to do with me and through me because you can do nothing without me. It was his connection to God. So then we see the early church as they began to be birthed, we see them to develop this lifestyle of prayer. In fact, in the book of Acts, when the church is being born, nothing happens with the church before they first go into a room and begin to pray. That was the very first thing they were told to do by Jesus. You need to go and you need to pray. Don't worry about doing anything else. You need to go into a room and you need to spend some time in prayer. I heard Bishop Tony Miller say this. He he said that God's church was never meant to be impotent. His church was always meant for empowerment. And empowerment comes through prayer. That's where it begins. And that's what the early church knew, that they had to get themselves into a place where they just prayed. And as they just prayed, then Jesus empowered. See, the fundamental reason Jesus prayed was to be connected to the Father. It was the fundamental reason the early church prayed. It was to be connected to the Father, to be connected to Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. And it should be no different for for us. This should be the fundamental reason we pray. It should be to be be connected to God, be connected to his presence. See, the, the sad reality for us is that rather than prayer being fundamental, it's become supplemental. And we just kind of supplement prayer in when we need it and when we can't make everything work the way we want it to work and the way we think it should work in life. But prayer was fundamental for the early church. And it was fundamental for Jesus. Prayer for the early church was also formational. It was formational. See, we just said that the church started after they went into a room and they prayed. When they went into that room and they prayed, Jesus in his Holy Spirit began to form them and transform them into who they needed to be to do what they did. But it started with them praying as they prayed, God formed and worked in them. We see this happen so vividly with Paul. When he was on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, we, we see him on his travel. He's going to, if you remember, if you've read, if you've read it, you heard it, he's on his way to kill these people who are doing what they're doing because he doesn't believe that, that Jesus was the Messiah. Well, then all of a sudden he has this encounter, Luke tells us in Acts, with Jesus. And then it tells us that, that, that Saul, who's still known as Saul, goes back to a room in Damascus, this house in Damascus, and it tells us he was doing something. He was praying. And while Saul was praying, we see that God begins to speak to this guy named Ananias and tell him that there's a guy named Saul. Yeah, I know who that is, Ananias says. He's in a house. He's praying. I need you to go to him and pray with him. And even though he's reluctant, he goes. And the scripture tells us that he walks in and he lays his hands on Saul. And when we see that throughout the scripture and throughout the New Testament, when there's a laying on of hands, there's a praying that's taking place. But this is so powerful. Figuratively, in, in that language in the Greek, figuratively, it means when there's a laying on of hands, it means that there is a changing of a destiny. Oh, how powerful is that? Because that's exactly what was taking place in Saul's life. And as he's praying, the Holy Spirit is forming him and transforming him and giving him a new destiny, a new purpose. As we pray, prayer is formational. But here's the thing. We have substituted prayer. Instead of it being formational, we make it transactional. 
We submit our prayers to God only to get something in return. But the prayer has to be formational in our life. It goes back to the very beginning when God created everything. He, he, create, he formed man. He breathed life into man. And then he made him fruitful. And the whole time he was in the garden, Genesis tells us, Moses wrote that he came and he communed with him. And see, as we commune with God, he will form us. He will fill us with his life and he will make us fruitful. But we, and, and prayer is our opportunity to work the ground of our heart. The soil of our heart. If, you, you, if, if you're a gardener or farmer, I'm not, but I do know this. If you don't work the ground, what's going to happen? Weeds are going to grow. You don't have to do anything for weeds to grow, right? But when you work the ground, you keep the weeds out so that what's being nurtured can grow. Prayer is that opportunity for us to form what needs to be formed to see it grow. So see, prayer is meant to be formational. It's about intimacy with God. It's about knowing the Father. Prayer is, is, is we, we have to shift our mindset from to make prayer fundamental, not supplemental. To make prayer formational, not simply transactional with God and what he's doing. And see, all this began with the early church and it began with the disciples and it began in a moment it's, it's, it's one verse that I want us to just kind of grab and I want us to remember as we go through this series and I want us to hold on to because it's this one verse in this moment, it's a, it's, it's a moment where the disciples petitioned Jesus for something. It's in Luke chapter 11. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to go to it and, and, and underline it, highlight it if you do it in your Bible app, whatever you use, highlight it, mark it. If you've never done it before, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it simply says this, that once Jesus was in a certain place praying, (laughs) here we are again, Jesus is in his place, he's praying. And as he finished, one of the disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John has taught his disciples, Jesus, you teach us to pray. I think that's worth underlining, worth highlighting, worth circling that phrase. Lord, teach us to pray because we need to keep that mentality and that heart in our minds. God, Holy Spirit, help me to be more connected to you. The disciples knew about prayer. These guys were Jewish. They they knew what prayer was. They, They knew the religious way to pray. The religious pattern of prayer. But they also knew and recognized there's something different about the way Jesus prays. There's something different about the time that he sets aside and he spends with the Father than what we do ritualistically. And so they say to him, Jesus, teach us to pray. And you think about this. This is so crazy in the fact that they had seen Jesus do all these amazing things. But this is the one place that we see in the Gospels where the disciples approach Jesus and tell him, Jesus, teach me to do this. They'd seen him perform these miracles and miraculous healings. They'd seen him raise people from the dead. They they had seen Jesus uh, calm a storm and speak to a storm that was raging and tell it to stop, be still. They'd seen Jesus cast out demons from people who had possessed. 
They'd seen him handle the Pharisees who were constantly belittling people. But the one thing they approach Jesus and say that we see in the gospels is Jesus teaches us to pray. You know, I wonder as, I'm, as I was studying this and this thought came to my head, could it be that that's the one time we see the disciples ask and petition this request, Jesus teaches us to pray because that needs to be our mindset. All this other stuff, the miraculous, the works that comes through Jesus Christ and through his power, it all has to start with prayer. That's what we, if, if we learn to get into a place where our heart is in prayer with Jesus and connected to the Father, then maybe we'll begin to see God work through us in the ways that he worked on this earth and through his disciples. In fact, Jesus even said that, that his followers would do even more. But it starts with prayer. And we'll look more next week at what Jesus taught them after he gave that petition. But this morning, as we're laying this ground, I want us to think about our mindset and our heart when it comes to prayer. And and when we seek God in prayer. In our prayer life, we need to, first of all, be desperate for, dependent upon, and completely reliant on God. Jesus' words to his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. They should be very strong in us, first and foremost, and up front in our life. That we have got to be utterly dependent on him. An author by the name of Paul Miller, he wrote these words. He says, if you're not praying, then you're quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy to pray. But if like Jesus, you realize that you cannot do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find a time to pray. See, a disciplined prayer life will come when we become desperate for and dependent upon God. When we understand that our hope isn't in some amazing strategic plan for our life and for what we're doing, our hope isn't in certain talents and gifts to make things happen. Although those things are good, our hope is in the one that gives those things. So we have to be desperate for and dependent upon the God that supplies that. When you're desperate for and dependent upon God, you'll begin to understand, I can have honest conversation with the Father. You know, we always come to him reverently. We always come to him submissive to him, humble before him, worshipful before him. But we can also come to him authentically and express our heart to him. The author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, he says it this way. He says that we can boldly go into the throne room through what Jesus has done for us. In other words, what he's literally saying there is you have permission to speak freely before God. Paul, when he wrote his church, his letter to the church of Philippi and Philippians, he'd said, be anxious about nothing. Pray about everything. So what can I pray about? If it's making you anxious, pray about it. There's no limit there. Pray to God for that. Seek him, pray to him. 
When you look at the Psalms, you see countless prayers throughout the Psalms of people who are open and honest with God about situations they are facing in their life. Many things that are hard for them to understand. Why am I going through this? But at the end of their prayers, they're constantly coming back to the Father and who He is. Who He is. See, because our desperation, it can't be for something. It has to be for someone. Our desperation has to be for the Father. Our desire has to be more than to be a person just who prays more. Listen, every religion has people who pray. And they pray often. Buddhists, Hindus, Islam. Many religions, they have their prayers that they pray. But our prayer is not about, it's not so much about what we're praying, it's about who we're praying to. Prayer should be about us connecting to the living God. The power is not in what we pray. The power is in who we pray to. You know, we reference Psalms, Psalms chapter five, verses one through two. We see David uh, uh, praying and, and we see these prayers. I want you just to hear a few of the phrases. He says, listen to my words. All right. So you got this way where David, this, this way of praying, he's speaking prayers. And then he says, consider my size. So then there's this moment where there's no words being spoken. There's just, there's silence. There's sighing. And anybody that's married, you know, that size can say a lot, right? I often hear a sigh and I, Oh God, what did I do? Right? But but he says, listen to my words. That's one way he's praying. Consider my size. And then the very next one, he says, listen to the sound of my cry. Now it's not just words being spoken. It's emotion that's coming out with his prayers. It's not so much about how we pray. It's about who we're praying to and that we pray. James, the, the... said in his epistle, he said that Elijah was a man like us. What? Elijah was an amazing prophet. When you read what Elijah did, there's no way that he was just a guy like us, a person like us. In first Kings chapter 18, you see this powerful moment where Elijah has this moment of prayer where, where the prophets of Baal pray almost like charismatics, but just a little crazier. And then you got Elijah who just steps up and he says, God, I'm utterly dependent on you right now to do this because the only way that they're going to know you are God is if you perform this. He just spoke an honest, dependent, desperate prayer. It wasn't about how he prayed. It was about that he prayed. And it was about who he prayed to. We have to become desperate for him. We also need to be bold and not be afraid to be bold and to be persistent in our prayers. You know, after the disciples asked Jesus to teach us to pray and he tells them what we know of as the, 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 the Lord's prayers, what we called it. He goes into this story and he talks about this guy who approaches a friend's house at midnight. And I say friend in quotations, because if I have a friend who comes to my house at midnight and knocks on the door, friendship's being questioned, right? But there's a need there. 
And, and it also tells us, Jesus kind of puts a picture to this because he's like, this is after everybody has gone to bed. And any parent that knows, especially you're a parent of younger kids, you get, it takes you a while sometimes to get the young kids to bed. You put them to bed. And then all of a sudden somebody comes banging on your door, wakes them up. Again, friendship's in question, right? You don't know what I just went through to get them to finally go to sleep. But Jesus tells this story. And look at what he says in Luke chapter 11, verse 8. He says that, I tell you this, he won't do it for friendship's sake. But if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of what? Your shameless persistence. Your boldness to just keep asking. Some of you wonder, how long should I pray for something? How long should I keep praying about something? I feel like I'm being repetitive in my prayers. Jesus tells this story. Keep on asking. Keep praying. See, and remember that, that what the guy's coming and approaching his friend for at night is because he needs bread for a friend, another friend of his who is on a long journey. In other words, he needs substance for his friend who's on this journey and he doesn't have anything to give him right now, but I know this guy's got something that I can give him. And even though I don't have anything to give, if I go to this guy, he's going to give me what I need to give my friend who's on their journey. Are we bold enough to petition the one who says I am the bread of life? That if you don't feel like you have what you can give your friend or this person that you know, who's on this journey in life, just keep coming to me. I'll give you what you need to give to them. The early church was, was constantly praying for boldness. God, make us bold to do what we are doing. Are we praying this same type of way for, for boldness and with boldness? Not just for God to move, but for God to move through us. You know, what, what could supernaturally be done through God's church if we prayed that type of prayer, prayed with boldness for God to do bold things? to provide the bread of life through us to those around us. And he, he goes on in Luke eleven nine, 9, and he tells them, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And then later in Luke, we see that Jesus tells this parable, this story about a persistent widow who's constantly going to this judge and asking this judge to give her the justice that she is due. And in Luke 18, verse 5, we see that Jesus, uh, Jesus tells in the story, this woman's driving, the judge says, this woman's driving me crazy. <laughs> I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. And I wonder, why would Jesus tell a story like that? And, and before he even started the story, we see in Luke 18, 1, the reason he told the story. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. You know, sometimes we wonder about why Jesus told the stories he told. Luke tells us specifically, there's no question why he told this story. He told you stories so you would know, keep praying, don't give up. You know, we, we look at parables from Jesus. We're often putting ourselves in the parables and say, well, someone in this parable is me and someone in this parable must be God. Is God the, the unruly judge who's saying a woman's driving him crazy? Is God the one that's upset at his friend? He's not considering their friendship, but answering because of their boldness. But even in, in Luke 11, we, as, as he kept going and as he told him, keep on asking, keep on. He told him, how many of you, if, even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts. 
how much more your Father in heaven will give you your Holy Spirit, will give you what you need. What he's saying is, you know how to give good gifts. Think about how your good Father is going to provide if the people in these stories do these things. Jesus is listening. He wants you to keep coming. He wants you to keep seeking him. See, the people in these stories, they've got one thing in common. They know that the person they're going to has the power to answer their prayer. They're the only one they can go to. And they have nowhere else to go. And that has to be our mentality with Christ. He's the one that has the power. He's the only one we can go to. There's nowhere else we can go. So we've, need, we, we've got to be desperate for, dependent upon God. We've got to be bold and persistent. And then lastly, we need to pray attentively and trustingly. In that Psalm, Psalm 5.1, the very next verse from after verse 2, verse 3, it says that David, he said, I wait expectantly. So I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting, but I'm expecting for you to answer. I'm expecting for you to do something. And we referenced Elijah earlier. That very next chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 19, it tells us that Elijah was listening for the voice of God. And the passage tells us that a strong wind comes by. God wasn't in that. Uh, an earthquake comes by. We know about those. We, he, went, he went in that. Uh, a, 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 um, uh, you, you've got... Um, a fire comes by. And this time, God went in the fire. God, God wasn't moving in the fire this time. But then it says there was a whisper and God was in the whisper. But see, if, if you weren't being attentive, if Elijah wasn't being attentive, he would have missed it. He would have missed the whisper. He would have missed the voice of God. You know, so many of us, and I'm guilty of it too, still, like that story I told you of me as a child, by my mom's bed, speak, Lord, your servant's listening, and then take off and run. <laughs> That's what so many of us, it's what we do. We want God to speak, but we're not slowing down and being attentive to listen to him. Speak to us. See, God can speak to us in so many different ways. It might be through a fire. Like one day, but the next day it may be in a still, small voice. And God can speak to us. He can speak to us in our moments of our own quiet time when we're sitting there doing a devotion. And God speaks to us. We've been praying about something. All of a sudden we see this revelation. It can be in times like this when we're in a service and, and what's being said, what's being spoken. Wait a minute, I've been praying about that. And, 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 your, and your, your ears perk up and you realize God's speaking to me about this. It can be in a time when you're in a discipleship group together and the conversation leads to a moment where, where, where you, wait a minute, I've been praying about that. God begins to speak to you in that moment about what you've been praying about, what you've been struggling about. A conversation with a loved one, they can just come to you, they can talk to you, and all of a sudden they're saying things to you that you've been longing to hear from God. But God's Holy Spirit can and still also does speak to our hearts. We can't limit how God might talk to us. The thing is, we've just got to put ourselves in a place where he can. And we have to be attentive and listening for him to do it. But we also have to trust. We have to trust him. We'll talk more in a couple of weeks about the unanswered prayers that, that we have and why didn't God answer. But here's what we have to understand. 
God sees, he has a viewpoint of our life totally different from the perspective of which we view. So we have to trust him and how he answers. And remember, Jesus prayed, God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to face what I'm about to have to face. But he did it anyway. He still went through it. It was the only way. And I'm thankful that he did. Because our salvation hinged to that act. So when we pray, we have got to pray from a place and a heart that's desperate for and dependent upon God. To petition him boldly, persistently, to be attentive and to trust him. And remember that the cross is God's eternal pledge that he is constantly working for your good and for his glory. But pray to him desperate, dependent, bold, persistent, attentive, and trusting. Pray that way and remember the words of David. Taste and see. The Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in him who put their life in him, that are connected to him, because apart from him, you can't do anything. Fear the Lord, you godly people. For those who fear him have what? They have all they need. Even the strong lions go hungry. But those who, what? Trust in the Lord. Lack no good thing. Taste and see his goodness. Trust him today. Stand with me this morning. We're going to close out just this time of worship. I just encourage you to to make the place where you are a place of prayer. If you want to come up here, you can come up here and pray. But I just encourage you to close out this moment today together. Just in a time of prayer with God. Even if it feels awkward, just begin to talk to him. God, I'm, 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 I'm just, I want to be connected to you, Father. I don't, want my, I don't want my prayer life just to be about praying for you to give me things and do things for me. I want to be connected to you, God. I want my relationship with you to grow. I want to taste and see the goodness of God in my life through the relationship that I have with you. Father, we just... We give this time to you. We seek you in these moments. And God, we say, in every day, we wait expectantly on you, God. To work, to move. And we trust you in all things. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.